Hey guys. Hey. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Stephanie from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> this is Shetty Patowski. Oh, yeah. You already know her because she was already on the I show. I was on the show. Um, we are here with a new episode of Reality Bites. So excited. Uh, our show about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm excited to have you here. Thank um, you. It's like, I miss Steph, but you're like... Uh, a friend and a familiar face. Yeah. And when you were on, we talked about having you back and we did it right away. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I didn't believe you at all. I was like, these guys are just being really nice to me. I know. We were so serious. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad Steph couldn't make it. <laughs> just Steph, it's like uh, showgirls. Steph like, starts to like yeah. mysteriously fall downstairs. It's, yeah, it's, it's too bad about her ankle. <laughs> Let's fill our tea. Yeah. That was the clumsiest way. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about falling in love. Yeah, I can talk about love because I'm in love. Am I in love? Are you in love? You said you've been saying it a lot. Okay, there's a difference between saying I love you. And I'm in love with you. Is there? No, there is. Yeah. Okay. Have you said I'm in love with you? I say I love you. But I haven't said I'm in love with you. It's interesting. It's not, it it's a work in progress. It's kind of a new it's kind of a new thing. What about you? What do you what's your status? Um I feel like it was very fast to say this, but I've been feeling this way for a long time. That's my problem. I said it fast too. So it's almost like slow your roll, Shaddy. Internally I gotta go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Even though I feel like little smiles. <laughs> I like, love that. You know, like I feel feelings. Uh-huh. That's all real. But intellectually, I'm kind of going like, let's be, I don't know, mindful or some shit and just not be completely yeah. smitten. Totally. No, I feel ridiculous by the giddy smittenness. But it's... It is- you guys look so good together. Do we? Yeah. Oh, that's really cute. He's a very clean, clean guy. He looks, he looks very well put together. Yeah, he's got good style. Yeah. Um, he it, it had been, like, over a month of, like, us out, like, suppressing I love you. <laughs> like, really, like, almost popping out and then, like, fucking trying to shove it back in our mouths. Okay, I think in my situation, he said it first. But so you guys m- had a previous relationship. Yes, we had been together before. So, but we never... I, we called each other boyfriend, girlfriend, but we, we never said, I love you. And he said, I love you. iteration? Yes. And he said, I love you in the new iteration and he moved in. So it's very serious. So he said it first. He said it first. Okay. So maybe there's just like a little bit of a power thing where I'm like holding it. I feel like if I hold it, I, I have a little bit of power or something. I totally get that. If that's it, because he said it first. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not. I'm very committed to it. But the way you said it made me go like, wait, is this real? Well, my thing. No, well, because you said, let's talk about being in love. And I was like, wait, no, that's not what I meant. You know, versus saying I love you. Ah, well, I'm, I feel like I'm in love. You're in love. And I totally get the like power struggle of it. But like, I'm being very um, careful not to play games. So, like, I'm not going to withhold from him because, like, I want to feel like I have the upper hand. I've done that before. 
Um, it doesn't usually work out that well. Um, I don't think that's what I'm doing. I think no, 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 I was not, just wondering why. I, of, yeah. of you, it's just like I understand that instinct yeah. completely. He, he. This is what happened. There, there had been a bunch of like talking around it, and like uh, we went to Palm Springs this last time, and I, I was just like, there should be a word between like like and love and so we had this whole like funny conversation about that and he would be like i love you (laughs) so he would say shit like that and then uh that's super adorable and worth falling in love with it's really cute that's super cute um and then we uh I, i had a friend in town and uh we were out like i don't know like several days ago and um he was like just like lean over and he was like love you and I was like ah I didn't like say anything back I was just like um that's cute (laughs) even though like I totally feel the same way it was just like we'd been drinking a little bit and I just like was like not ready for it um and then um I saw him like last not last night the night before and he like made me dinner and it, none of this shit matters anyway uh, you're talking like a person in love I know. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> just like he brought me stuff it's like all that stuff you can get on amazon prime <laughs> <laughs> but i know i know what you're talking about like and i, yeah. I said but then yeah. i said it and then i was it. just like I, so this is one night old this is brand new news wow you heard it here first <laughs> But I was just, like, kind of, we were just, like, laying there looking at each other. And I was just, like, I'm in love with you. And he was, like, I'm in love with you, too. It was really cute. I should not be sharing this. (laughs) I know. I shouldn't be saying the things I'm saying because uh, he could watch us. I think it's just that, like, I think you and I both fall fast. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm just trying not to. I'm trying to be smart about it. So I, I, I have said I love you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't. And it's not like I'm in love I'm with you. I'm not like it's saying like, I love you. Like that's we said it then and then talked about it for a second. And then it wasn't like I left that night or that morning and was like, OK, love you. Bye. It was like where it's not. That's not there. I'm not like ending phone conversations with that. Like. It's not there yet. It's just, like, I had to finally, like, acknowledge that I felt the same way. Because I'm, like, I love him. I'm not trying to, like, leave Aww. him, like, standing there, like, not saying anything yeah, back. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, it feels so silly, though. Like, there's... I feel like when you're, like, a little bit older and you've been through enough shit that didn't work out, that, like... I feel like the giddiness and like the like. You're so giddy right now. It's the, amazing. No, I know. I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like uh, just silly. Like I'm too old for this shit, but I can't help it. <laughs> oh. Well, it helps you. It makes you look young. Does it? Is it? No, it's cute. It's good. It Everything's good. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. I've and I have it. Watching you, I've loved I have watching it. You. I have it. If you follow me on social, you'll see it. Like I have that too. And there are these moments where I'm just like, like walking into the bedroom or whatever, just 
pure smile, just like he put together all this outdoor furniture for us while I went Christmas shopping yesterday and I got back and it was all put together and we were arranging. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. You posted on Facebook, uh, like I'm in, we're happy and in love and shit. And like, I know what that's what it feels like. It's it? just like, yeah, it was just like, I guess we're shaddy and Mark now. Like it feels, I'm not, it was so cute. It was just, just like, like, I guess this is the thing. Cause it is, I guess we're in love. Like it's, I don't know if I'm just like super cynical or just trying to be, I think I'm trying to be smart about things And and there's a lot going on with like work and stress. And I'm like, because, you know, I'm running a show. So I'm like highly sort of intellectualizing things a lot. And so I just might be in that zone. I don't know what's going on, but it's a little bit like just with everything, I'm just trying to be a little less emotional. I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So like for me, it's just like, oh, I love you. Yeah. Let's table that to the next meeting. You know, I think, yeah, that sounds like a great solution. Let's go. Let's try that for a minute. So it's a very like trying not measured. Yeah. Measured. is a good word for it. Measured. Yeah. I'm trying to be, uh, more authentic than I've been in any previous relationship, like in terms of like no games or no, like anything like that. And I'm also, um, yeah. Trying to be more mature in all of my like actions. So I think that that's like smart, but seeing you guys together, you're in love. Physically. We're very in love. (laughs) And I really, like, I take a I lot of pictures you. from bed. I could, I would be posting that shit all the time. The other thing is that my cat and I think, okay, so he is like a hotter person than most people just body temperature wise. And my cat lays on him constantly. And like, and just the fact that my cat loves him is I'm, yeah, I'm so into that. My beyond. dude could like really take or leave my dog. He's kind of uh, just like, yeah, I guess. Cause it comes with you, but like, it's not great. You've got a big dog <laughs> i know and like it's not a little... dog that you're like ooh. it's a dog that you're like don't kill me <laughs> but also i need to like get past my fears had... of dogs your size i've had other boyfriends though that have been like or one in particular who like loved my dog maybe more than me but wow but this is reverse this is he's like well I mean, I can tolerate it. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big sloppy dog. He was also like, uh, just like kind of dancing around talking about moving in together, which like I'm totally not ready for, but he was just, and then he said something like, she's, she, she's good breaks. She's good. It's like, uh, we would have to get somebody to build a fortress around us. And like, <laughs> that, I don't even know if there's someone in the United States who could do that. And like, it would take like a year. And he's like, she's really good breaks. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have an amazing guest on today. Um, we will be notably less giddy and ridiculous in for the rest of the episode. But thank you for letting us get that out. <laughs> Um, we have, well, it was a little weird because she just went through a breakup. I know. So we were, we're both in in one state of mind and she's in a very different state of mind. So I think we were trying to, um, temper that. Yes. Yeah. Hold space. Uh, but, uh, her name is Antonia Crane. She is an amazing, uh, writer. She wrote a book called Spent. Spent, a memoir of her time as a sex worker and then, uh, with her mom's dad and, um, a screenplay with Silas, Silas Howard about 
It's called The Lusty, right? Yeah. And it's about organizing um, strippers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, AFL-CO organizing and unionizing strippers, which sounds like an amazing film. Super feminist, cool, badass San Francisco movie. She just is that kind of, like, Oh, yeah. No, she... I... I don't think I talk much when we interview her because I'm a little in awe. Yeah, yeah. I've been like I've yeah. been in awe of her for like the like five years that I've like yeah I met her and then have been like following her on social media, just being like she's just I really yeah I'm she's a whole this. she's a whole person <laughs> she's very she came in like so so this is before you got here but like so hot in this like. She looks very hot in the shirt she decided to wear on the show. But the one she came in with, she was, like, just so sexy. And she was, like, sitting on the couch. She was, like, I could put on this other shirt. And I was, like, I don't know. You you look fine right now. I don't know. You're good. Yeah, she's hot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's great. She's great. So we're excited to introduce you guys uh, to Antonia. So we'll be right back. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Stephanie Beatriz. Guess what? I'm a cartoon. Check out Wizard on Jash.com, written by the amazing Anise Ansari and starring me and Maria Bamford. It's cute. She smells like a centaur shaved directly onto a pile of wet trash. Rude! Why you gotta be a dick to Catsby? What's rude is bringing an animal into our apartment without asking my roommate. Typical Elizabeth. Typical? Typical? I cannot believe you just called me typical. You basically just called me basic, which is so rude. Well, that's... That's typical. Oh, oh, you're a white, inconsiderate roommate at times. With your love and practices, never clean the kitchen, and don't even get me started on the kettle corn incident. Wow, I cannot even believe you brought that up. And how is any of that comparable to any of that dumb magical crap I have to deal with because of your stupid job? Wait. <laughs> Holy crap. Bad kitty. Hey, guys. We are here with... Our guest co-host, Shetty Patowski. Stephanie Beatrix from Brooklyn number 99. <laughs> <laughs> no, am Are I you not? getting back at us d- for saying your late last name wrong? Oh, no. Do I have to? I, I thought I had to pretend to be. So- we'll, do, we'll do that Her. later. No? Oh, Shetty Patowski. <laughs> and our guest, Antonia Crane. Hi. Um, Antonia, I know from uh, an essay class like five years ago, um, and I was just always like kind of enamored with you and uh, Aww, so sweet. I've been following along and I'm so like interested in, in your journey and think it's so cool. Uh, so I'm so excited that you could join us today. Uh, it was a fun class. It was a fun class. It was you were ta- great in that class. It was taught by Taffy Broadsker Broadsker. I don't know how to say her last. I'm no terrible. one knows how to Brodsky say anyone. Okay, so <laughs> Ackner is like Ackner, her. Brodsky, like, it's a yeah. hyphenated last name. She I'll, writes that's for GQ and she's amazing. She does. Um, but um, I remember in that class you were working on an essay about. Uh, did it wind up in Spent? Uh, about, sure, probably. Yeah, you're uh, after your mother's. Going back to to New Orleans after your mother's death, right? And you were rebuilding at the same time that the city was rebuilding, and it was just like yeah. really uh, so beautiful. Thank you. Um, I was stripping in New Orleans after Katrina, mm-hmm. and my mom had just died, and I was raging with grief, and I was hurling my body at the world mm-hmm. as a way to deal with that. And I landed in like a New Orleans daydream, 
yeah. which was this like total absolute shithole out by the railroad tracks, which is where all good things happen <laughs> by abandoned billion- buildings and railroad tracks. You find yourself in the best places at the best times. I do. Times. I only go to the best places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was a really amazing place and I made a lot of money there and I loved it. And it was a lot of local, it was only a locals place and they hired me and I ended up making money there until I was escorted off the premises for writing about it. Oh, like four years later. Yep. It just like, there's so much like of like the dichotomous nature of, uh, humanity in the, that, you know, it's like sad and like poignant and beautiful right. all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, well, I think that stripping for me, it's a very intoxicating type of sad, mm-hmm. and I like those intoxicating sadnesses that have to do with terminal loneliness and how we ache for human contact and how the sex industry supports that. Yeah. Just saying ache made me ache. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. Well, I think that we're all whimpering dogs inside. Yeah, that's true. It's a Dennis Johnson quote. Is it? Yeah. That's but uh, I, stripping, you know, I was born to strip and I... Um, how did you How did you get into it originally? Well, I was born to do it. I mean, if there were, if there were a stripper pole... Did you really pole, know when you were young? I mean, there's a story. Okay, if, if my mother had a, had a stripper pole and a reading lamp in her womb, I would have never come out. Um, and, you know, basically she said that when I was three years old, I would dance on the tables and drink all of the adults' drinks. And I think that, so basically, I think since about three years old, I was probably wow. born to strip. I, and what's not to love about it? No, totally. I've had like n- numerous stripper fantasies, but let's I talk rem- about that. I remember being a kid and like, God, how old was I when we lived at that place? Like, mm, f- kindergarten age. And I remember dancing and we had this huge like bay window and I like danced for some neighbor kids. And my parents were like, no, no, we're not. (laughs) Keep her off the pole. They they destroyed a dream. Parents are destroying creative dreams. (laughs) I always, uh, dancing, any dancing, I have, I've had the dream even recently of like putting mirrors in my office so I could dance. Um, yeah, except my boyfriend moved in and we put VR there where it was going to be the thing. But I had this whole dream of just like having, setting up my own little dance studio. And I've, I, I was posting like Instagram dancing. Were you? You I should put up a poll. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know about the poll. So my, I'm curious about your fantasies about dancing. Is it always that, do you always fantasize about you being the dancer or do you actually dream about other dancers around you giving you dances as well? Um, I'm always a dancer. Interesting. Yeah. Don't you think that's interesting? Is it? Um, Because as a voyeur, I mean, as a, whether you're an actress or a voyeur or a performer, I think it can go either direction. Yeah. Just for me, uh, it's been, uh, you know, there's like, God, I feel there's like, it's something about being watched and, uh, I'm less of the voyeur than the more of the performer yeah but in the digital age don't you think that um we're all obsessed with our own images and so we become our own voyeur totally totally i my i would say my most like extended stripper fantasy was like when i was just like late kind of late teens and i just like thought and like was like toying with moving to new york and like had some like 
I, I don't know, like legit thought thought about doing it as like a, a job. Yeah, it's a totally viable job. Yeah, it's not always presented that way, especially like I grew up in Minnesota in like a small town. And so yeah. like it, it's not like growing up in L.A. where it's like, you know, jumbos and, yeah. you know. I grew up in a small town, too. I mean, the, where are you from? I'm from Northern California in a very small and depressed economy. It's mostly people over 65. And like, it's one of the few towns in California where every time I go back, the population sign is lower. Uh-huh. And, you know, it wasn't something that was a viable opportunity when I was that age. I had to go to the city. To and really... So you went to San Fran? I went to San Francisco. Uh, that was the city where everything was happening. Uh-huh. And uh, it, was a, it was a really interesting time in San Francisco in the mid-90s. It was um, pre-tech, uh, pre-gentrification, pre-tech, very queer, a lot of direct activism. But there was also like this sense of hopelessness and sorrow because it was post-AIDS. It was right after all of our friends died. Uh. And we were activists, but it wasn't really going anywhere. I mean, I was in ACT UP San Francisco. There's footage of me somewhere in in um, Oxblood, uh, Doc Martens tumbling over um, tables at a at a convention, a doctor's convention, because of the we were fighting against the medication that was supposed to be helping our friends, but it was actually hurting them. Oh, and God. so there was activism that was interesting activism, but we were kind of. Um, reeling from the loss of our friends and seeking transcendence. It was also a time of like really amazing drugs. Mm -hmm. And I think we were all like seeking a certain kind of transcendence and all of the queers that I was hanging around with at the time, uh, were marching in the streets for gay rights and against domestic violence and women's rights. And a lot of my friends were still in the closet and I was marching in the streets before I was even identified as queer or bi or anything. And you do, now you identify as bi. As queer, as bi, yeah. yeah. I mean, my politics are very queer, but mm -hmm. um, I'm very bi. And were you dancing at the time? Um, so I, you asked how I was introduced to it. It was the artist lesbians <clears throat> at that time who were, they were artists, they were lesbians, they were doing live shows. Uh-huh. And, you know, honestly, it was like just, it was like, like performance art. No, it was more like Laurie Anderson, Karen Finley, Gorilla Girls, and people, we were using our bodies to fight a revolution that we didn't know we were fighting uh. because we wanted to, we wanted a revolution that didn't cost piles of money and we really felt we could change the world. And so I don't, I was studying women's studies and, you know, it just seemed like, Hey, I think I'll take down the patriarchy one lap dance at a time. I think I'll use my body. Yeah. Like it was just something that was talked about at the time. Did you and Cheryl Strayed do like a an interview? We kind did of on thing? the Rumpus. Yeah, we did. You guys should totally read that. I I read that a while back. You did. And it's called um, just remi remembering it now. It's yeah. called Pussy Fever Loves Locker Twenty Nine. Uh huh. And Cheryl Strayed, um, she's my secret weapon. We were, and I her, brought her book. Dear Sugar is like down there. We dear were sugar. talking before uh, uh, we started, and that's like also my like kind of like feels like home kind of book. Yeah, absolutely. Like I keep returning yeah, to it. And totally. Like I've given it to like tw literally 20 people. Yeah, we were talking about this, how we take up, we pick up Dear Sugar and we open it up to any page and just like, oh, this is exactly what I need to hear yes, today. Yes. Or the podcast with Steve Almond is oh, really so great. Good. I love him too. Yeah, isn't he wonderful? Yeah. He's a love muffin. I, I so, <laughs> and like, just He's like brilliant. So, the way that he views the world and then like will articulate his thoughts. I'm always like, oh, he He's very brave. He really stands his ground. 
Yeah. At times that, you know, where it counts, where it's really inconvenient. And that's the best activism, yeah. right? When it's not convenient. Maybe it's the only activism, that which is inconvenient, terribly inconvenient. That's when you know you're doing activism is yeah. when it's inconvenient. Yeah. Totally. Or so, it's not necessary. Yeah. yeah. The Cheryl Strayed, um, she believes that, um, anyway, it's interesting. We have different opinions about the sex industry, but we're also very aligned and supportive of each other. But she believes that the sex industry shouldn't exist at all in a perfect world where women's bodies wouldn't be on display or as a product to be pushed in a corporate world. I don't think she's wrong, but it's not realistic. What do you think? Well, I think that's the, that sort of radical feminist conundrum, right? Like it's a similar argument and it was actually like the argument that kind of split feminism, right? was around sex work and trans people, but it's like, would you need to be this performative of gender in a perfect world or in an ideal world? But we still are living in the world that we live in. So, you know, you can think about these things in a really, I guess, I mean, they would say like post-revolutionary way, Mm -hmm. but really it's, it's so not, it's like, sure. You know, it's like, sure, yeah. sure, that's probably, that might be true. Sure, that would be great. Sure, yeah. If that uh, were to but work. But we're still, b- women are trying to survive yeah. and people Daily are, sexual know. assault right. and women, you know, the sex yeah. industry exists and women are a workforce and their voices are rarely heard. Right. I think it's a really good time for, for sex workers, the voice of the workforce mm-hmm. to be heard. I think that... I think it's a great time for that. Yeah. I mean, the, the problematic part of it is just like for some people it's a choice that you can go into right. that and for some people it's not a choice yeah and so it seems like to me that's the like crucial element is like if if you made the decision the conscious decision then it's like you know could could be can be a celebration in some ways and uh if it's uh the only option that's right. something else. It's true. I think there's a, there's a, that's a great uh, point And it's also a great area because how many choices do we really have yeah. as women in society and how many, what, how, how do those choices translate into a career and how realistic are your choices? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm of a generation where my parents were professionals, like, you know, lawyers, paralegals, mm-hmm. and I was the artist so I, I was encouraged to follow my dream and mm-hmm. like this, the, you know, to go to art school or, you know, mm-hmm. get a wildly liberal education. That was something that I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. And that's unrealistic in terms of a career. And I, I have a master's degree now and I get little teaching jobs here and there. But honestly, it's like it's very unrealistic. Yeah. So the other option is like, why are my tits worth more than my teaching credential? Oh, totally. And can you answer me that? I mean, I should be able to have a career in teaching. Why don't people hire more sex workers? Like, help me. I've been saying, you know, rehabilitate me. Mm-hmm. Give me a job. That, give, me, give me a writing job. Hire me. Hire me on your team. I'm dying to get into a writing room. I have a screenplay. I'm working on another. I'm working on a TV pilot about the sex industry. Like, hire me. You know, um... So I that think that's what's so like, fascinating about you is like you have you are you're like your bio is full like you <laughs> have made this like all these amazing moves and that's such a good point that like God it's doing the like legit uh, 
I don't, that's not even the right word, but like going like the... You can say legit. I don't know what you mean. You know what I mean? (laughs) The like mainstream way or whatever is like, it's so undervalued with, especially in terms of like creative As a woman. Yeah. As a woman who has, you know, been told my entire life that I'm sexy Mm -hmm. and for some reason I believed it, um, and has made a live, I've made a living, you know, dancing for pleading men. Mm-hmm. And getting a lot of, you know, validation and money from that job for 27 years. I would love a job where I, you know, can make a living mm-hmm. and be creative and write. I just, they're not giving those out. No. Yeah. And I don't have an in. I mean, I have an in, but I don't, you know, like yeah. I have work, but I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, the window is open. I'd like to leap through it. Show me which one. Like, show me the door and I'll walk through it. Yeah. Or push it open a little. Push bit it open a bit. little for me. Yeah. 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 And not yeah. just me. I mean, I'm just a person. Like, it's not just me. This mm-hmm. is just one voice. I don't want to crowd out other voices. I want to invite them in. Like, there's so many other sex workers, strippers who are stuck, who, I mean, choice, sure, they're making a choice, but what's the other choice? Totally. They are less educated than I am. Mm-hmm. They have children. I don't have children. Yeah. Uh, maybe they have a husband who's an alcoholic or an addict or uh-huh. a mental illness or a partner who has a, a disability uh, and they they need more money. You know, they need to survive. What are our options as women, educated or not? Oof. Oof. Yeah, that's real. Um, Sorry, we, I know you want me to be more funny. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm Captain Buzzkill. No, over here. I'm we, laughing on the inside. Captain this is Buzzkill. <laughs> it's not. It's really real. Um, we are going to be back with more Antonia and Shetty right after the break. Hey, guys. Guess what? More Wizard. Check it out on Jash.com. Happy hour! I told you we'd make it in time. Elizabeth, it's 7.59. It's not even happy hour now. It's a happy minute. You took forever to get ready! Look, Margaret, not all of us are wizards who can magically Beyonce up in a minute. My lackadaisical punk style takes effort to assemble. What can I get y'all? Hmm, we'll have the two pictures of your samosa mimosas dry. Snap, Margaret. You sure about that? You're usually kind of a lightweight. Perhaps, but I just got promoted to level 10 at work! Oh! We should celebrate in proper fashion! Can't say no to using your success as an excuse to get wasted. I told the troll. I said, okay, look at look at me, troll. Look at me and I right wait, now, wait, troll. Back, back up. Was she troll in the sense she antagonized you, or was she like literal troll monster? She was boring! So I told her, this ain't my first day in wizard school. She crap. You probably shouldn't have your wand out when we're getting wasted. Hey, guys. Welcome back. We uh, have continued the heated discussion during the break. <laughs> um, heated. Not heated, but uh, hot. Inter- hot, hot, right? hot, steamy, hot, sexy yeah. discussion. Um, I'm petting the cat. I, I think this is <laughs> so apropos. Her person. <laughs> um, I, I, let's talk about that a little bit more. Like, um, I think that... Steph and I talk about this a lot, too, but, like, it's impossible to know what is, like, who you actually are outside of conditioned gender and, like, who you would be in, like, the vacuum. And, like, how do you determine, you know, like, 
how do you separate those things and decide like what's really real? I don't know. So can <laughs> so confusing. Let's just be sad. Let's, <laughs> Let's just, just sit sad. around and be sad. No. no. No, let's not be sad. Well, did you want to ask me about clients? Didn't yeah. we talk about personal life yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's... Okay, so basically, I know this is about love and relationships in the digital age. Um, I've never been on a paid I don't date that's not paid. Um, on a internet... We were talking about... We were talking internet. about internet dating. Yeah. Yeah. Never. And never. So, but I have clients that I've had for like 20 years. That you met on the... That I've not met on the internet. I met them in person. Offline. And you've yeah. had some newer clients that you met on the internet. No. No. These are all offline clients. Well, no. My clients I've met on websites in the past when uh-huh. I was doing that kind of work. But um, I've never... We were talking about dating and you were giving me some tips. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've never dated online. And we, were, we were talking about I met the guy that I'm seeing on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the old-fashioned way. You're right. On Tinder. Uh, and... Um, Mine's okay, Cupid. Are you met okay, Cupid? Yeah, we had a 99% match, which That's I think really is good. Good. supports us today. But yeah. I would be psyched out by knowing the percentage of match. No, it's very helpful because there's times where I'm like, God, this is really weird. And it's like, is that real? We're a 99% match. I mean, I think it helps. Do you I've, think met, that I've met, the, you've met they, the I partner? would be like, I was like, yes. Yes. Really? yes. So yeah. who the person is online is who they are in person. Because I think that like, not always people well, don't want to take the time to get to know people anymore. And they want intimacy is what I call it. Like, Oh, swipe. Oh, I know that person. Like, Oh, you know what? I, I don't think know that being maybe... in a relationship is who the person is when they're texting you or when that's why my prerogative is, no, I think you're very right. And now I'm very concerned about the 99% <laughs> not because you allow yourself to sort of just, we answer, you answer all those questions and it's right. like, well, we, we have the same religious point of view. We have the same, we have so many similar mm-hmm. perspectives values. on drugs and right. sex and everything else. And so we matched by this algorithm, but yeah, I think it is a shortcut for us to just be like, no, we, we match. Like, but we you just guys do. have known each other now for like three, three years. years. So yeah. you know each so other you know offline. Each other. Sure, but even even early on, I think there was a sense that it was just like, okay, we don't have to worry about a lot of things that, you uh, know, people break up for like, my friend just broke up with her boyfriend because he had a very different uh, opinions on human rights abuses. And it's like, that's not going to come up on the first day. Those are values, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Those like values that are kind of like, oh, we just didn't really discuss this until Trump was up for... Yeah. Um, being elected or whatever. So, yeah. So that's where that you kind of get fooled into in, into an intimacy. Into I've never done fooled into catfished into <laughs> intimacy. Yeah. But it's not nobody's trying to do that. It's just, you know, it like worked out. I don't know. I'm worried about it. I'm worried. It's not always. Listen, I've never done OkCupid. So, like, I didn't fill out the questionnaire. T- Tinder's like. Uh, would do, would not do. You know, like it's it's purely it's, it's like superficial. Yeah, it's, it's purely it's, superficial. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate of like taking it offline immediately. Like right. I don't want to sit around and like text you. Like I'll right. meet you for a drink, and then I can See. assess yeah. like almost immediately if I'm interested in spending. Not like I know you after that, but I can decide if I'm interested in spending more time with you right. online, right or offline. Um, that's my recommendation. I think that's really good. I'm that it way is. too. I think there's, um, I think certain people like to text because everyone sounds a little better, right? Over like, or certain, a lot of guys will be like more it. confident over yeah. that. It's like, oh, I'm funnier over this or whatever. And it's like, no, yeah, have to be real. Yeah. What is your preferred me- method of communication? Text, phone, email, 
you mean aside from in person? Yeah. Um, it depends on the, I, I, I'm good on via text because I'm a writer, but like, uh, if I, if I know that there are a few people that I know very well. And so I would prefer to talk to them on on the the phone. phone. Yeah. So talking on the phone isn't dead. That's good. I never no. talked to anybody on the phone. But you were asking me if sex work has interfered in my personal yeah, relationship. Yeah, with your relationship. I want to say that um, the last relationship that I was in that was two and a half years and change. That was the one that, that The just recent res- breakup. He yeah. just moved out a month ago today. Um, and he, did he start out as a client then? No, no. I've okay. never dated a client. Okay, oh, so when you yeah. said you ne- had never been on a date... She'd Wait. never been on like a an Tinder date, date or I've like a Bumble date, never date never. or whatever. So okay. this person that you were with, I met them through a friend, a girlfriend okay. of mine who was a sex worker okay. and a really close friend. And um, and he was like, he uh, was an ex pornographer. Yeah, and so he was like totally comfortable with the industry. And he was. He was really um, accepting and showed me a lot of respect about the industry uh-huh. and really respected me. And he read my book right away. Uh-huh. And I thought That's this great. is really interesting. And he's yeah. a really interesting man and kind and respectful and exciting, like artistically, aesthetically exciting. Uh-huh. And um, he said that me stripping, the fact that I stripped, didn't affect the way that I showed him love at all. Uh-huh. So, and I think that's true. But I think I've worked very a long time in the industry, and uh-huh. I know the difference between fantasy and reality. Uh-huh. And I have really, I'm really boundaried in my work. You seem And like I don't it. pretend to be in love with someone, and I don't, mess with people's heads and I'm very sober about my sex work activities Uh but there have been I have clients who are who communicate with me a little bit and I could see that that would prevent intimacy in a relationship but not in this last one I was very I was very careful and I was very respectful have you dealt um, with a lot of like jealousy from boyfriends like fear I I would imagine I deal with fear it's fear that's all it is I mean, I think that like in relationships and particularly what I'm learning right now and how I'm processing this now is that I think that people are complicated and messy. Yeah. And I think that we're afraid to be messy, but we are messy. And so we should just admit that Mm -hmm. and work hard to be respectful of each other inside of that. Does your work allow men to feel like they're allowed to be messier because of the sort of healer oh, understanding oh you're talking about clients how they feel no, I, I mean even in just uh-huh. relationships like are there when you're dating a guy does he get messier because you probably this is i think you probably understand men yeah I more understand than men, i think i don't know yeah more than someone you're not you've seen you you've seen some i shit. understand them and i feel like this is a trans person like i feel like as like a promiscuous formerly promiscuous trans person mm-hmm. like i feel like I think, yeah, I feel like I know. Like, you know, like the, 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 the bottom of the, like, you know how ugly humanity can be? What do you, yeah, what what do you know? I don't know. I just, I feel like when I see like, like their emotional state, I don't know. I just feel like I know them better than they know themselves. And it's just like, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm like, (laughs) yeah. I feel like a caretaker immediately. And I, I didn't too. know if like yeah. you were oh, in that interesting. same. Well, I definitely thing. host a certain amount of acting out uh-huh. that happens, but mm-hmm. I do it in a, I try to go to, I try to be of love and service. It's a uh-huh. service industry job. Yeah. And you know, when men come up to me and they say, I would lose my family for you. I'm just like, no, you wouldn't like you wouldn't. You're just, you're funny. And I don't want you to, 
Uh And, you know, it's very, um, I think that people are terminally lonely and they ache to be listened to and held and seen. And it's like, I would say, okay, that's an exotic environment. Like the sex industry is an exotic environment, but it's also just a service industry where men want to be heard and seen and appreciated. And women too, we want to be paid and heard and seen and appreciated as well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, how is that different from a real relationship where, you know, you struggle to have your voice heard or you don't feel like your partner is really, um, hearing and seeing your reality the way that you're trying they're not interpreting you in a way that's satisfying that's a massive problem with me because I feel like I'm so performative because I'm such a fantasy like Mm -hmm. for the guys that want to like you're a fantasy I'm such a fantasy and they all project all this stuff and it's like I rarely feel heard and when the first time somebody like really understands what I want in my body or whatever then it's immediately I'm yeah, I'm shocked. It's by powerful. That. Yeah. Is it powerful, scary? Like you want to run or is yeah, it I want to run. I'm shocked. I want to run. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, there's a lot. It's trippy. Yeah. yeah. Shit gets really weird. I'm a, st- I stand before you a sex worker hemorrhaging with daddy issues. Uh-huh. I'm the first one to admit it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so shit gets really weird around abandonment stuff for me. Uh-huh. Like cause the neglect and the yeah. abandonment. Yeah. And so shit gets really sticky with that. Um, but you know, it's a, it's all, we're messy. You know, yeah. we come into relationships messy and I think that we need to like forgive each other and use, like try to have humor around it and a lot of forgiveness. At least that's what I get from dear sugar. It, totally, um, totally. I opened it up and it was like forgiveness and reconciliation and humor. And I'm just like, yes. Forgiveness is such forgiveness. a new thing for me. Forgiveness is like the top of the pile. What do you mean by that? Who do you need just, to forgive? Just, um, you just have to forgive people. You have to, that sort of like, I am not a Christian, but that forgive yeah. them for they know not what they do. Thing. Yeah. I feel like we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And it's just like, a just forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's it's like a thing like, that we all have to do like a lot more of. Yeah. My I therapist agree. without, we don't need, I mean, if you need the Jesus for it, that's fine. But totally. just, like, <laughs> just take the words and yeah, that yeah. just, just, just forgiveness, just like a radically forgiving, like we yeah. don't know. Well, my therapist is constantly reminding me that, like, people's stuff is just really about them. Like, when people, like, wrong you or whatever, not like I'm, like, constantly feeling like I'm being wronged, but, like, she's just constantly pointing out, like, you know, it's, it's not we're just acting out like our own it's it's everyone's stuff is just about them they're just you're just like well what about this i mean what if we're all wrong i mean what if like it's not about connecting with another person what if it's like being pushed up against our greatest fears oh and like love and intimacy is really like in the digital age specifically where like you think you're connecting but you're really disconnecting yeah maybe like what if we like intimacy real intimacy is just about being pushed up against our greatest fears that's what if I have those moments that are very like lucid where it's like, I'm this moment is not about him or me. This moment is about like the achievement, you know, being like a closeted person. Like, uh-huh. I, I mean, like when I remember the first time that somebody yelled after I came out when they yelled faggot at me from their car uh-huh. and I just felt so great. And I felt like, so I wanted to skip and dance and I just felt so great because I was like yeah I earned that like I really (laughs) earned being called faggot and I think I mean that's what a lot of people with HIV say too like after when you're diagnosed it's like that was the biggest fucking fear you could have had and it's over and you like 
now you have to like live and there's like almost, yeah. yeah, So like there's this, so I think that's true because I find Mm -hmm. myself in those moments a lot in sex and Mm -hmm. in these moments where I'm looking at him and I'm thinking like, oh, this is about me like achieving Uh this kind of intimacy. Yeah. And it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, so the abandonment stuff is so interesting to me because it's like, I have major abandonment issues. My parents are still together. Huh. My dad was like, like where did that totally come from? Totally around. Yeah, there's a person from? holding up a two minutes card, and, and my whole body's on fire. We don't acknowledge that here. Um, no, 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 no. We're just conversation is over when we're done. I'm, I'm just saying, like, this is uh, this is gonna all. It's all ends. Everything ends. Yeah. Ooh, I know. I th- I struggle with that. I like. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, on that note, um, so yeah, I mean, it has been, you know, we were talking about people I've dated in the past and it has been an issue of, it has been difficult. I don't think that people are stoked to have their person to share, to share sexually. Is that control? Is that just a control? It's possessiveness. It's sexual possessiveness. I think it's also, I mean, I don't like sharing either. I'm super possessive Mm -hmm. when I'm in love with someone. I mean, it's animal shit. It's like your lizard brain. It's like, you don't want to share that person. It's really triggering. And it's you know. fear too. It's also it's abandonment it's on, on their end, right? It's For like, sure. oh, what if she meets somebody else that's gonna, you know? I guess, like, maybe. right? I don't know. Work? I think with sex work, it's complicated because I've always been of the school when I used to lie about what I did. I used to lie for years. Oh, for really? Years for years. And stone cold sober, many years, I used to lie about what I did because I was so ashamed. Um, and um, when I discovered that, you know, I. Um, when I finally came out about it to people and I would tell anybody, I'd just be like, hi, I'm a handjob whore. Hi, I'm technically a prostitute. And, and I, and even it didn't go well. And they would often like laugh or like snicker behind my back. I was free. Yeah. Like I could breathe again. And in my relationships, um, when I have said that, I'm not saying it goes well because it doesn't always go well, Uh but I just had it go really well. And, um, and that is that means there's a glimmer of hope. Oh, totally. And in the world, I think as sex workers, the more stories that come forward and the more people talk about being in the industry and what it means yeah. and how complicated it is, you know, the more I think that freedom and that ability to breathe and band together as as a workforce and as women on the planet and as humans, I think that it will improve our lifestyle and our lives. It'll improve everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. So I used to think that um, if it involved money, it wasn't cheating. Mm. Um, Do you still if there's think money that? exchanged, it's not cheating, right? Yeah. Well, it's right? just a job. It's a job, right? Mm-hmm. Not exactly, because I was lying. So lying is cheating. Yeah. Mm. So then I stopped lying. And even when I'm in the strip club and I'm the oldest stripper you will ever meet. Really? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> You look so amazing. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I'm, I'm myself. I'm not someone else at the club. I'm, I'm genuine. I'm myself. Uh-huh. And I have really supportive clients who have been supportive of my relationship. That's not, not happening at the moment, but very supportive of my life and my lifestyle. And they buy my book and they follow me on Twitter and they see me as a human being. Uh-huh. That seems almost extra important i think they want that right do they i think so yeah i well i mean this is don't you think they um, want that a human connection i feel like we've seen enough things where like 
yeah, it's like, how many guys ask you what you do? Or like, isn't that a thing now? Like, don't people want to know like what your real name is? And it's like, I think every guy wants to be the guy that can know you better. Yeah, yeah. sure. They ask your real name, but I mean, Mm. I could be anyone. But I choose to be myself. Yeah. I went to a strip club once, mm-hmm. pre-transition. One time only? Well, yeah, because I'm, I okay. mean, I wasn't interested, but it was with, it was a work thing. I mean, but I've been, okay, go Oh, ahead. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um. Were you working or as a customer? I was, oh, no, no, as a customer. And, um, I was with people I was working with who were in the advertising industry. So it was a bunch of dudes and we went and I got a lap dance because everybody was doing that. And that was me just being like, girl, don't. You don't have to do it. Like, don't do anything. Like, nothing's <laughs> going to happen here. Yeah. What's going on? And then she told me the story about how she was an opera singer and all this stuff. Wow. And like, and I was like, but I don't know if any of that's true. I was think about that now, like 15 years later, where I'm uh-huh. like, was any of that true? It doesn't matter. But how yeah. amazing she was just so prepared for that like hmm. thing. And I'm also sure when I told her to stop, ways. she just like doubled down and I was like, no, 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 no for real. Strippers don't really have the energy to lie. Yeah. Uh, it seems I mean, like unless it they're compulsive exhausting. liars yeah. and like, that's a thing or whatever. I mean, I guess some of them like make up stupid shit and lie about shit all the time. But I mean, I can't imagine the problem with, with living in a web of lies is eventually you get caught and you just feel like shit about yourself. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't think that strippers really go out of their way to lie. Unless well, now I want to, like, follow her music and stuff. I'm like, we had this intimate moment. Here, let's, <laughs> like, let's talk about uh, Spent and okay. uh, the screenplay right. for a little bit before. Sure. Um, I'm excited about the screenplay. So speaking of the workforce and the revolution, the stripper revolution. You unionized. Yeah. Well, I was one of many. I actually got swept up in the union effort that happened. This is what happened. So we were talking about mid-90s San Francisco post-AIDS uh-huh. activism. I, um, I slashed my wrist trying to get off meth. I ended up on a 72 hour hold. And shortly after that, I marched into a strip club that was behind glass. It was a women owned and operated peep show because it seemed like a really safe environment. It was a safe environment. It was like, it was like the slumber party atmosphere with startlingly intelligent women who were all like, not going to take any shit. And um, they peep guys were bringing in cameras and filming us without our permission. And these girls were like mothers and teachers. And sometimes their partners didn't know that they were dancing. Uh And sometimes they didn't like they they were living a double life and they were able to do that. I mean, because they had kids or having all these closets. You know what I mean? Like they were closeted. They were closeted. And I mean, they deserve privacy. Yeah. Um, And so the men were bringing in video cameras and a girl saw the blinking light. It looks like a cigarette Uh being lit. And she said, this is bullshit. Like, I'm going to change things around here. And she was 19, like one of those fire breathing, belly dancing, like pre Burning Man before Burning Man was even a thing. Mm -hmm. Girls. And and we got swept up in a labor war and we won. It took two years. And so the screenplay I wrote with Silas Howard. Writer, director, transparent director. Yeah, Uh the best. Amazing guy. Super talented. Right? Yeah. He's just we, like, we talked about how... He's a man crush. Yeah, it's such a crush. He's a man crush. Yeah. And it's called The Lusty? It's called The Lusty. We just got a grant from San Francisco Film Society. Rad. Last year. And we're going to make that Rats. goddamn motherfucking movie is yeah. what we're going to do. Where are you at now? I mean, I know this is such a rude question for like movie making. You know, I don't know anything yeah. about this, but it's being seen. It's being read by people. We want to look at it. Did you do readings? Uh, we're not, not table readings okay. yet. We're not at that point yet, but people, people have it. People are looking at it. That's so cool. And Silas is directing it, which is going to be fantastic. Amazing. So we're excited about it. 
And you consulted on Afternoon Delight? I did consult on Afternoon Delight with Juno Temple and Catherine Hahn. It was Jill Soloway's feature film such that went to Sundance. It's so such a good, good. movie. Yeah. So good. That's how I first heard of you because I was um, obsessed with that movie and I was up for you a writing job. You were obsessed job. with that movie. I was. It's and so I was up for, well, I was up for a writing yeah. job on Transparent. So Jill followed me on Facebook and I didn't know who she was. Right. And she, but she, Amazon had recommended me as a writer. And so I, that movie was coming out and I read about you. Oh, that's so You guys funny. taking strolls yeah. in the park and talking Dude, about. We were walking around the reservoir uh-huh. while she got an email from her father coming out as trans. Wow. And she was just like, it was freshly processed. Wow. And she That's was like, so got an email from my dad. I'm like, wow, what do you, what do you think about all that? And then it just developed, it birthed this whole beautiful yeah. show wow. and movement, as you know, and, and she's you wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. God, you have so much cool stuff going on. And Spent is coming out in paperback in March? It is March. Um, That is my memoir about uh, my journey through the sex industry and my mother's death, Mm -hmm. which is somehow braided together. So... All kinds of stuff. Follow Antonia on... Are you Antonia Crane on Twitter? Yeah. And you can find... She writes uh, time... I write essays and stuff. Yeah. New York Times. Coming out all the time. Yeah, I write for New York Times. I write for Medium sometimes. Uh-huh. I write a lot about the sex industry and feminism. Uh-huh. That seems to be my jam. Yeah, well, but, you're good yeah. at it. Thank you. So, um, maybe you'll have to come back in March and thank and you so much bring, for bring a copy. Having yeah. me, yeah, yeah. Um, come be on the picket line in our movie. Oh. oh, for the stripper movie. Yes. Awesome. Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah, will Your dreams will come true. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shetty is at Shetty Potowski. Yep. And um, you can find me back here next Tuesday. Uh, follow us on Reality Bites Pod on all the socials. And send us your questions at realitybitespod at gmail.com. See you next week. Hey guys, make sure you subscribe to the channel. There's going to be new episodes every Tuesday. And subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on all the socials. We're at Reality Bites Pod. Bites with a Y, always. And email us your questions at realitybitespod at gmail.com. See ya! Bye!